And so I'm really excited. Uh, if Where's David at? Where you, okay. So David and Trevor are going to come up, and they're going to talk through this. I just want to encourage you guys, give them your full attention. Encourage them. Let them know they're doing good. Uh, and as we welcome to the stage, Trevor Cohen and David Terry. Yeah, let's, let's, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened about two years ago, and then we'll, we'll, we'll back up and we'll, we'll go to the beginning. Okay. So I guess in a nutshell, a, lifestyle, a life of just addicted to porn, everything that led to that, um, hiding it my entire life, literally no one knew, became so good at hiding it, lying, you know, finding ways to get around it. Um, and it, I'd gone through life, uh, married for years, had my daughter, um, as sin does, one thing leads to another, you get deeper and deeper and deeper doing things you never thought you would. Um, it, it had come to the surface uh, that I had been having an affair on my wife, I'm addicted to porn, all this kind of came out. And there had been so many times in the past where I'd been like this close to getting caught, but over the years of living in lies and sin, I'd begun so good at hiding it, like coming up with ways like, okay, I, how am I going to get out of this? And so it all kind of come out all in one, one day, and my wife left the house, and I'm like, how am I going to lie my way out of this? Like, I've done it a million times. I'm sure I can come up with something. That was your first thought, is how, how do that I lie? Like, yeah, how do I, how, do I say, how do I fix this so it doesn't go over the cliff? And um, so she left, went met some friends, and it's something I'd struggled with my whole life. It, it's not something that I wanted to be in. There are times where I openly accepted it and, and took it, and there was all the times where I really struggled and fought with it. I'm like, God, why don't you take this? Why don't you take this? But at this point, it was I had come to this point in my mind. It's like, am I going to keep on? Am I going to keep on struggling, lying, and doing and dealing with this? And it just it's just like something snapped, and I was like, I got it. I got to let this out. I got to tell my wife, like, she's going to leave me. I'm going to lose my family, but I got to get this out. And so I told her. She pretty much hated my guts. And uh, to me, it was probably one of probably top two, three best days of my life. Because it was the, minute, the minute that I expressed or that I admitted it to her and told her, it was just like such a relief off my chest. But at the same time, I knew I was losing everything that I loved. I'd, I'd never expected, you know, that she would stay with me. I knew she would leave. I knew that our family would be broken up. I came from a divorced family. My mom and dad were never together. I don't ever remember them together. And my daughter being wow. so young, I was like, I just did that to her. Wow. So. Wow. So it, it ends, well, the story obviously doesn't end there, but um, this kind of sin struggle ends in adultery. Yeah. How does it start? Like, when is your first encounter with lust with pornography with yeah. wherever started real young so i had a one of my best friends lived across the street from me like first grade he comes over the first day of school and he's like hey look at my backpack and uh he had like a mickey mouse backpack and i was so pumped i ran and got mine we had the exact same backpack we were like immediately best friends <laughs> and uh so he lived across the street from us um his parents uh were needlessly to say we're not Christian in any aspect of the way. But his dad had all kinds of pornography in the house. And I think I was in the second grade. I was over at his house, and he's like, hey, look at this. He was a year older than me. And I remember him pulling out a Playboy, flipping it open, and showing it to me. And my immediate thought was like, ooh, boobies. You know, like, 
what, you know, disgusting. But then I, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. There was something in my head that just switched. Like, I don't know why, but I like this. I don't know what it is I like about it. What, I don't even understand. I have no clue what sex is, but for some reason, I, that, something switched, and I was like, I, I like this. And so it kind of started there, um, having access that way, and just c- continued to build through so the years. Then what what happened with that? Because at some point you get you got you and your friend get caught. At, yeah, there, so at there house. was he had it readily available. It was above the bathroom cabinets in his house. So it wasn't we, even hidden. No, no, his parents didn't really. And this was this was extremely foreign to me. My dad was extremely disciplinary and very strict. And so there was a point to where probably that same year, maybe the next year, we were over at I was over at his house. Um, my parents are working. His parents are working. It's after school. And we're sitting on the couch, and uh, we're, like, flipping through this Playboy, and his mom just walks in the door, and she freezes and looks at us. And I'm, I can just feel, like, the blood drain from my face, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, we're in trouble. And she's just looking at us kind of shocked, and she just busts out laughing. And my buddy just throws the magazine in the floor, and I just, like, bolt out of there. And about 20 minutes later, he comes over, and he's like, hey, uh, my mom wanted me to tell you... Um, she's not going to tell your dad. And so at that moment right then, it was like I knew they, in his household, it was no big deal. So at that point, you just had an adult tell you it's fine. Yeah, they basically like, hey, don't worry about it. We won't tell your dad. It's not that big of a deal. So when did it start to ramp up for you? So from then on, it was steadily available. And this is long before the internet. So it was, you know, I look back now and I'm like, man, how, how could this, how could all these things happen and, and just continue to pop into my life? Obviously Satan was trying to get his hooks in when I was young. Um, but his, his, his dad, I mean, had him everywhere. Even as we got older, he would even, he had a bunk bed. He would even take him and put him underneath the bunk bed. So he would lay there and he could look at him and his mom would just be like, Oh, you know, get those out of here. You know, better. Um, but just growing up, I had older cousins, much older cousins, that things would, you know, pop up. He'd say, here, look at this, or he'd have it laying around, or I'd find it here or there, find it, you know. It just always seemed to find its way to me somehow, some way. I wasn't always looking for it, especially that young. Yeah. Um, but there was just many instances uh, where it seems like it was just, I look back and just pivotal times in my life, different ages where it continued to pop up. Yeah. Well, and I think that the the point there is that, you know, our, our kids aren't necessarily looking for it, right? But the enemy's looking for them. Yeah. And so, like the, some of the safeguards we put up in our life are not just for us, but for our children. You know, you remember being a, a little boy, you snoop. You know, like you go you go through your parents' stuff, like you snoop a little bit. And so, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're not gonna have pornography lying around our house, but are there safeguards on your computers? Are there safeguards on your phone? Like all that kind of stuff. Like I've seen stuff on YouTube as Abel's yep. been surfing through YouTube. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Let's turn this off. Um, so when, when did it transition from, okay, this seems to just be happening to me too. I am actively seeking this out. Yeah. So, uh, internet comes around. We're late to the show. I don't think we even got cable till I was like 13. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, we got cable now. But anyway, so internet comes to the show and, uh, we're way behind. We got the dial-up internet. LimeWire is out there, and and I'm like, oh, dude, LimeWire. I haven't thought about LimeWire. LimeWire, and then years. and pop-ups. You know, like you get pop-ups. So, you know, my dad would work till six sometimes, and we'd be out playing or whatever. So I found the internet, and I'm like, dude, I can look at pretty much anything I want. You know, it's just like 
loading, loading, loading. I'm like, come on, come on. And so the thing of it is, is if you remember pop-ups, the more you looked at that stuff, the more the pop-ups would come up. So there was indications throughout my life that would, if, if someone was looking for it if, or if someone was like in my position, they could have maybe seen these and, and, and nipped it in the bud. But I can remember my dad coming and saying, boys, what do you, you know, what is this stuff? You know, I'm like, dad, it's pop-ups, you know, you know about pop-ups. And it would pop up while he was on the computer. So I'm like, see, you know, we're, you know I was able to use that to kind of hide it and say, well, what are you looking at, you know? And, and so uh, it all, I mean, the internet really was a big part of it. And then uh, my buddy just having it so readily available once we kind of started getting more of age, 10, 12, 11, you know, satellite TV, he had one of those little black cards that you stick in and get like every channel possible. I mean, just the worst things you could possibly have for preteen, teenage boys was right there readily available. So, But you grew up in church though still. Yeah, so somewhat. It's still going on like walk yep. us through that conflict sure. of like being a kid and growing up mm-hmm. and going into high school, like knowing kind of what's right and wrong, yeah. but living this kind of double life. Yeah, so um, I, I say we grew up in a Christian household. We were Christians. I got saved when I was really young, nine years old. It was, uh, if anybody remembers the power team, somehow, <laughs> dudes up there busting ice and ripping handcuffs. And Blake's on the power team, if you guys yeah. didn't know. Blake Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so these guys are up there talking about, like, their addiction to cocaine and anabolic steroids and women, and I'm nine years old, and somehow it speaks to me. And he's like, if you want to be saved, you can repeat these words. And I'm like, dude, I need that. And so... Uh, I say this prayer, you know, and I don't even tell anyone. I'm like, all right, man, I, I love Jesus. It's in my heart, and I don't even tell anyone. A few weeks later, um, we're at church, and we went to a real big church, First Southern Baptist, and my dad takes myself and my sister to this class, and this lady's like, I want to talk to you guys about Jesus and accept him into your heart, and she's going into it, and I'm like, I already did that. And, and my dad's like, what? Check. You know, and he's like, yeah, I already did that. And they're like, what do you mean? And so I tell him, and they're like, oh, okay. So, I mean, we did grow up in a house. We, didn't, we weren't regular churchgoers. I knew the difference right and wrong. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Um, but not until I kind of got into a uh, youth group around the age of 13. Um, got into Falls Creek, you know, met a girl. That got, that's what brought me into church. Kept that's me kind of going, you know. always. <laughs> and um, so I got my relationship with God just grew drastically from not, and it wasn't like one that I'd gotten from my parents. It was one that I'd developed on my own. And made the decision like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna be a virgin until I'm married. I'm not gonna go through this. I'm not gonna do these things. And so uh, that time period in, in high school, from when I was growing in the Lord, uh, I still struggled, you know, on and off. I'd have times where months, maybe even a year or two, where nothing wouldn't happen. But then there's always, always something. There's a new and next thing. You know, cell phones come out. You can get internet on a cell phone or MySpace or whatever. And so. Um, there's always a constant battle of, I don't want to do this. Why can I not get away from this? And but at the same time, Satan's like, oh, you're strong enough. Don't worry. Don't tell anyone. If you wanted, if you wanted to stop, you could stop whenever you're ready. So um, That's the line right there. Yeah, 100%. For anything, for yep. anything in life that the enemy wants to snare, the sin that so easily entangles us. It's easy because we, we, let, him, yep. we let him put it on our feet. Like, that's why it's easy. It's not difficult. Um, for the enemy, the sin that so easily entangles us, but bringing it to the light, which is what we're going to get to in a little bit. Yep. So then you go off to college, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't get better. It does. It, it goes. It, it comes in, in ebbs and flows okay. for sure. So college was a really good time for me uh, in that aspect. There were still some 
dabbling here and there. You know, I, I had a girlfriend at the time that was, uh, she grew up in a really good Christian household. Um, and we even, at one point, were kind of messing around a little bit. And I felt so convicted. I was like, we've got to stop this or else I'm going to break up with you. And I can remember her telling me, like, wow, I, I've never met someone that would even think to say that. And um, so there, there, were, there was definitely some ebbs and flows. But there were par- times in college as well, just stress, um, tests, you know, work, doing all that, that it, it would ramp up. And um, my thought was always like, well, it's, it's just going to be like this till I get married. Like, once I'm married, I'll be able to have all the sex I want. Like, no, no, was obviously, it, like, is that how, is that how it worked out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's a whole nother story there. But. Okay, so when you get married, what happens? Um, so married, going good, things, life gets in the way. Um, I decide I'm going to stop going to school, let my wife go to school, finish her degree, and I took a oil and gas job to kind of out of town five days a week. And... Um, we were really young. I, like I said, I grew up in a, in a not, not a broken marriage home. There was no marriage. So I didn't even get to see what a bad marriage was look, look like to even like, okay, I don't even do this. So, which was a product of my, my mother's side. Her parents were divorced as well. So anyway, long story short, I had no example of marriage except for what I saw on TV. Didn't have family friends or family relatives that had good marriage that I could look to or that I could... Um, kind of lean on for advice and so we kind of just slowly drifted you know we got married really young um young and dumb and I uh working out of town she had young friends that were not godly friends and wanted to party all the time so we just kind of drifted our own ways uh went kind of went separate and and that and that's where I kind of started diving head head first into the porn because I was thinking god like I did what you asked. Like, you said no sex till marriage. Like, I did that, you know. You, I, I, I'm expecting to have a good marriage. I'm expecting to have a godly marriage. I expect to have intimate marriage, like, not just sex, but just the intimacy of, of all of it. And so I got really frustrated with God. And I'm like, what do you, you know, you've, you've abandoned me. I've done what you said. You owe me. Like, this is not happening. So I was like, fine, I, you know, I'll look at porn. It's better than cheating. Like, I'm, you know, it's, no one else is going to know. I'm not hurting her. I'm not hurting anyone else. Like, what's the big deal, you know? And so that, that was uh, probably the point in my life where the biggest turn was. I was just disappointed in that and, and jumped into that and got to the point to where I didn't even really want to be with my wife, like, sexually. Um, wow. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't satisfying. And so we've we definitely grew apart pretty uh pretty and this quick. wasn't Emily, right? No. So yeah. this was a girl from high school um that I met. And so as this went on, three years or so, um i I had some kind of sneaking suspicions about her. Like I said, her friends weren't the best of friends. Long story short, I find out she's committed adultery on, on me and I'm even more like devastated and even almost to a point to where I was like Thank God, I can get out of this wow. marriage. Like, this is terrible. Biblical reason that, that for me was to your get thought? out of this. Yes, was like, literally. Oh, cool, here's my I was ticket. like, man, because I, I, I just oh thought the God. rest of my life is going to be, I, you know, that's why I was mad at God. The rest of my life, I'm going to live in this marriage, this loveless marriage. I'm trapped. I can't get out. Like, and so whenever I found that out, yeah, I was, I was mad. I was, you know, a little bit, I was definitely depressed. But I, I was almost relieved, 
I always had thought my whole life, you know, if some if something like that had ever happened, like I feel sorry for the guy because I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> but at this point, I you know I was like, man, I almost owe the guy a thank you because I was that far out of it. And so um, I decided, you know what, I don't have any concrete physical proof. I haven't seen you do anything. Like I'm gonna try to do the right thing, be a good Christian, and I'm gonna accept accept that we're gonna work this out. And you know, things happened, didn't work out. Um, she didn't follow through, and so I was. At this point, I was like, okay, God, like, I'm done. Like, I know I've had, like, an amazing relationship with you at times in my life. I know you. I love you. I know what you say is right. I know everything that I should be doing, but I'm not doing that now. Like, I'm doing my way. Like, I tried your way. didn't work. It's my turn. I'm having fun. I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, and I, eventually I'll come back. That was my thought process. So. so then this waiting kind of period between your first wife and Emily. Yeah. You just kind of go off the deep end. Yep. Just... Yep. Um, I had a lot, uh, pretty much no Christian influence. Hardly, not no, I can't say no, very few. So the friends that I went to were the friends that were out partying, they were out drinking, out having fun, um, just having, you know, a fun, fun life, um, or what, or what it looked like. And so, um, just, just went in head first into that. Um, and met, Emily, because we worked together, and um, she was from a really good Christian family, really good uh, parents, Christian parents that loved each other, still have a successful marriage, and we were, we were kind of drawn to each other, and I joke with her all the time, she hates when I say this, so you guys can't tell her, but I was like, yeah, we went on a date, I like, uh, was trying to help another guy get her to go on a date with him and he wasn't he couldn't get it done and um, we were we were out drinking and I was like man invite her up here and he's like oh she said she's at the gym and I was like I'll do it so I text her and sure enough like she comes up there and and then it just that was kind of the beginning of the end for it so that's kind of where we met and I I always say that I text her and got her up there and then I couldn't get her to leave me alone and uh because I was fresh off the divorce, and I was like, I don't want a girlfriend. Like, I want nothing to do with the girlfriend. And, and she kind of latched on to me and, and uh, kind of started kind of holding me accountable for stuff. And, um, but it still wasn't a great relationship. It still wasn't a godly relationship. It was not a relationship I would want my daughters to have, for sure. Um, and so there was, we were still living in sin. There was still, uh, that, it was that same mindset, but now it was just more physical with a certain person. So did you make like little commitments along the way of like, okay, I'm going to stop this. Like once we get married or I'm going to stop oh, yeah. this once we, yeah. So when we were dating, like I still, I still would go and, and just kind of go out with my buddies and it was just kind of like the game of the hunt, you know, it's like go out and see whatever kind of, uh, what you can get, go hunt and gather type of a mentality. And it would be to the point of like, it wasn't even about the girl really. It was more about like the triumph, the, you know, I, I need, I want to win. I want to, I want to win that battle or whatever you want to call it. And there'd be times where it would get to the point to where it's like, okay, it's time to get down. And I'm like, mm, not really in it now. I've won. I don't really, you know, so it, it, it was just a spiral that got deeper and deeper. Um, do you think that was some of the pornography reorganizing your brain? For sure. To see women and see sex differently? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The, uh, 
it, it, it does so much damage to you, your brain, actual physically, not just emotionally, but the physical damage that it does to your brain um, is, is unbelievable. But um, I met, kind of fast forward a little bit, I met with the counselor after all this kind of came out, and he was showing me pictures of uh, addicts, and he's showing me these MRI scans and his brain scans, and he shows me... Uh, one that's got some black spots in it, and he's like, this one, this is uh, someone that was addicted to um, meth or something like that nature, and then he sends me another one, he's like, this one, someone addicted to cocaine or whatever, and then he shows me another one, and this one's bad, like it looks like holes, like quarter dime-sized holes all throughout the brain, and it's just black spots, just dead black spots, and he said, what do you think this one is? And I said, I'm like, man, that looks terrible. What's the worst thing I can think of? And I was like, heroin? And he's like, no, this is someone addicted to pornography. And I was like, wow. And the way that he explained it, so if there's biologists or brain surgeons in here, I could be wrong. But the way that he explained it is, um, with pornography, you have no, no negative physical reactions as you would to drugs. So you could, t you could get your phone out and you could look at pornography 10 times a day and you're getting that high from that neuron going from one place to the other. It's just traveling back and forth. It's like a, a road or a path. And you wear that path out, and it just, it just destroys it. So your brain takes the next closest path on each side. So you just start creating these pockets in your brain of dead matter. And um, the, the, uh, he, I guess it's in the prefrontal cortex. So you get to the point to where you're not physically, you're not physically able to make um, rational decisions as, as if you did not have that damage to your brain. Not that that's an excuse in any way whatsoever. But I was blown away by what that scan looked like compared to what the rest of them look like. Which means the, the further down this hole you go, the harder it is to get out. Oh, yeah. Because your ability to make a rational decision plus compounded by your addiction to the yep. dopamine yep. makes it difficult. And then, like you, like you mentioned, just the mindset of seeing these girls in these uh, videos or whatever and they're just you know doing all these things making all these noises and they're dressing this way and they're acting this way and it's just completely unrealistic it, it, it and it's just like any any addiction like the more you get into it the more you need to get that next higher that next thing and so that was the damage with pornography is like he said there's no like you could go look at it 20 times in an hour and no one would ever know there's no physical, no one could look at you and say, oh yeah, you've been looking at porn, or you've been addicted, or you've been on a three-day bender, you know, doing God knows what, and um, so the damage, just the physical damage, let alone the damage that it does to your psyche, and how you look at women, how you look at all, you know, across the board. But it's all because we've taken this God thing, and we've taken it out of the context of, because all of those effects applied within the context of a marriage, one woman and one man, it actually reinforces. The, that, that's why, because your brain's trying to figure out, like, wait, there's all these different women, there's all these different encounters, all these different avenues in which uh, you're, you're getting in contact with this. And it's, it's short, in, 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 in short, it's short-circuiting your brain. But when, you, when we take sex and we put it in the context in which God's given, that's such a gift because it builds intimacy and it builds trust and it builds like it makes you want to come back it makes you addicted to your spouse which is what we should be you know like we should be addicted to them they should walk in the room we should go oh man this is this is the person that i want this is who i want um okay so talk me through um 
what led up to your uh, separation with Emily? And then walk me through, because it's an incredible story. Walk me yeah. through, uh, y- she leaves. Yep. And then start at that night right there, because she's caught you in a, no, actually back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Did you, yeah. You, you tell, it's, right. your, it's your story. How about I just let you right. just go. So You tell your story, I won't micromanage it over here. Yeah, no, you're good. No, uh, <laughs> thank, thank God I'm not the same person that I was. Because uh, I was a terrible person in many aspects. I, I, on the outside, I was a great guy. I, you know, um, would do anything for anybody, help anyone. You know, but I lived living this secret life. Um, I was in CrossFit. I was doing lots of things, jujitsu. So oftentimes, like I'm sure a lot of us are today, really sore, pulled muscles from playing something simple like dodgeball. Um, so I had a uh, I feel like that was a dig at Blake right there. <laughs> <laughs> So I had a I, I had a a, a a massage therapist that I would see all the time, um, just because I competed so much and it, it was so it was very helpful. But um, so let me back up just a little bit. With my wife and I, our love languages. Mine was physical touch. Hers, like I, if I think twelve is like the highest. If there was a twenty, I would be a twenty. Um, and hers was like if there was negative, one hundred percent, she would be negative. So as as I was looking through, the same as the first marriage, as I was looking at all the porn and doing all the things I shouldn't have been doing and, and sleeping around, like, uh, we drifted as well. Like, we were basically roommates that didn't necessarily, at the best of times, kind of liked each other. Um, and so, anyway, fast forward, um, the massage therapist that I've seen for years and years and years um, never had anything, never inkling of anything, but things started to kind of develop, things that I look back now and I can see Satan's handiwork in, like certain little comments here, certain little things here, developed into a uh, an affair. She was married as well. Um, and so how, how, it, how it went down that night is I got a call from a number I didn't know, and I was like, hello, you know, and he's like, it was, it was this guy's husband. And he's like, you know, you've been sleeping with my wife. And I'm like, oh, I'm sitting there on, on the couch with my wife. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I think you got the wrong number. Click. And I was just like, uh, uh-oh. And so uh, she, the lady calls me or texts me, and she's like, um, he's coming over to your house. Like, uh, he looked up your, your address, and he's coming to your house. And so I'm, like, panicking inside, trying to hide it. I'm like, how am I going to stop this from happening? Like, do I go outside and, like, confront this guy and not let him knock on the door? Like, do I scare him off? Do I call the cops? Like, what can I, how can I stop this from happening? My mind's racing, my heart's racing, and so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I got to leave because I feel like it's all over my face. So I walk out. I just start mowing the lawn. Like, my life's about to be ruined, and I'm like, oh, I'll mow the lawn. What time of the night yeah. was this? This was in, in the night. This is like five in the afternoon. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So six, maybe. I thought six. it was like nine o'clock, and you're like, I guess I'll mow now. <laughs> <laughs> Got my headlamp on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so I'm mowing, and this guy pulls up, and I'm like, I mean, I'm thinking maybe I should just assault this guy. Yeah. Maybe I should chase him off. You know, like put him to sleep and then call the cops. I don't know. Uh, like all these thoughts are coming into my mind, and I'm like, look, I'm just gonna. You know, and whatever. You can. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I want to reiterate you yeah. can do all those things. Yeah. And so, anyway, he knocks on the door and uh, he walks up, and I'm like, we meet at the door, and he's trying to knock on it, and I'm like, get, get in his way, and he can't, and he, we're yelling at each other, and my wife comes to the door, and she's holding my daughter, and I'm like, uh, 
here we go. And so he just starts selling her, and she's like, hang on, hang on, and goes and puts my daughter down and comes out there and starts telling her all these things. And I'm like, you're a liar. Like, you're making up this stuff, blah, 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 blah. You know, so ridiculous. Like, why would someone just randomly do that? Um, and she decides, like, you know, we go in the house, and I'm, I just deny, deny, deny. And she's like, I'm out of here. She takes my daughter and leaves. Um, and that's where I have, like, a two- or three-hour time of just by myself. Um, and I'm like, God, what, what am I going to do here? And I start to kind of strategize and think, okay, how do I make this work? How do I, what's the least I can say to get away with um, that she won't leave me? Like, how can I just minimize this the least amount? You know, if I give her just a little bit of truth, maybe she'll believe me and she won't leave me. And so I'm just, I'm really trying and struggling. And and finally it just kind of hit me. And I'm like, I've been living this my whole life. No one knows. And it was like the realization, the heaviness, the burden that I had carried my whole life that I didn't even know that I was carrying. It's like the Holy Spirit was like, here it is. Like, and I was like, you know what? God, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to tell her. I'm just, you know, going to get it out there. So she come home and I tell her. And she basically was like, I, I knew, I know. Like, leave. You're done. We're done. You know, don't ever come back. Um, but like I said earlier, it was this freedom. So the only way that I can even explain it. So living that mind since second grade, I, I don't know anything different. I didn't know a different lifestyle. That, but the, the way that I, I, I get this picture in my head, God gave me this, is every single time I looked at any kind of image, video, anything, it was like someone took a rubber band from the ground and, and put it over my shoulders. So... You know, the thousands of times that I looked at stuff, it's just a little, it's just a one rubber band. It's not that big deal. That's not that big deal. But 10,000 rubber bands later, um, I, I, I feel like I had this picture of myself hunched over. And I was covered. Like, my whole body was covered. And I could barely move and walk. And when I, when I admitted it to her and immediately left and went to my dad, admitted to my dad, it was like, Someone just came by and just cut them all. And I just felt like this immediate physical, it was a physical, it wasn't just a uh, metaphorical, it was like a physical lifting of weight and burden off of my shoulders. Um, like I said, one of the best days, besides my daughter's being born, one of the best days of my life for sure. Um, it was just like, I had been living with a veil or yellow sunglasses, and you couldn't see, you really couldn't see what was out there. And then all of a sudden, it was just like the, the floodgates opened. Like, once I told my wife, I was just like, who else can I tell? I need to get this out. I need to tell. And, and I only told my closest people that I knew that I could. I had some brothers that, uh, I mean, Blake was one of the first guys I talked to. Um, but some family and some brothers that are just so close that I knew um, would do anything for me. They wouldn't judge me. They'd be looking to help me in any possible way, um, almost like the town. And he's like, we got, you know, Ben, or, uh, what's, yeah, ben Affleck, he's like, we got it. we're got to go hurt some people. And you can't ask questions, and you can never know what's, what's the reason. And he's like, whose car are we taking? <laughs> we were talking about that last night. One of the things I love about that is, it, it wasn't like you went on like a confession tour and was like, okay, this is my new identity now. Like, look, I'm, I'm free, everybody. I did all this bad stuff because I think sometimes, 
I've seen that happen before. Um, and I think people do it with good intentions because the word says, like, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. So I think it comes from a good place. But I think that's therapeutic to the, to the soul. Um, but to the spirit is, um, is, is when you find the people that can actually hold you accountable. It can actually. And so there's a little bit of, like, God wants to protect your innocence and God wants to protect your reputation and God wants to protect your, um, your, like the rest of your story. And so sometimes we get a little, uh, gun happy with some of those things where really we just need to go to a few people and go, what do I do now? What, and, and allow them to control the narrative for a little bit as we get our rationale back. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. So, um, a few months go by and then your wife goes to church with, um, her parents. I love this story. No, so it wasn't even months. It was days. Um, so I had just basically, like I told you, I relieved myself of a lifelong burden of lies and, and manipulation and feeling on cloud nine, like close, you know, but at the same time, just completely wrecked my wife's life, just completely wrecked it. And going back to telling just a few people, like there were times where I'm like, man, I want to tell people, but out of respect for my wife, she doesn't want mm. everyone to know because she's embarrassed, you know? Um, that's, that's a really good point to make. Yeah, because she was hurt. She was embarrassed. She, I, I have to remember, I had to, to remember that as, you know, I am free and I'm, I'm getting this freedom. She's in the worst place of her life that right. she's ever been, and I'm the wow. one that's caused it. Um, so what was the... No, then they went to church. That's right. Okay. So she, uh, that happened on a Tuesday. I was, li- I was living at my dad's house at the time. I think on a Friday she was out shopping or something, and she saw one of her friends that was in a Bible study group with her. They had known what was going on, and she's like, look, and she, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave or are you divorce him? What's the deal? And she's like, yeah, I think so. She's, she's like, well, it's going to take a random stranger to come up to me and say, God told me that you need to stay with Trevor. And uh, that was on Sunday evening is actually when it was. So her parents, um, very faithful churchgoers, they went to Henderson Hills for like 30 years every Sunday, never missed it if they could help it. For whatever reason on this Sunday after this happened, they decide we're going to go to our friend's church. It's a spirit-filled church, which is completely out of their norm. And uh, it was Pentecost Sunday, and uh, the, the, pa- the pastors there were like, you know, their friends of her, of her parents are like, well, we don't have an ending time, so you better strap in and get ready. And uh, <clears throat> so they're... Buckle up. Yeah, buckle up. Here we buckle go. Buckle up, you Baptists. And that's exactly... I mean, we'll like, they're like ride. quintessential Baptists. <laughs> so they're sitting in the very back row. They're like, man, this is kind of crazy. We've never seen anything like this. And um, one of the... One of the pastors is, you know, they're calling out, giving people words, and one of the pastors is like points at uh, Sonny, my my father-in-law. He's older, older guy is real funny, but he uh, she, he's like, you, sir, in the back, stand up. And he's like, yeah, okay. And he's like looking, and he's like right there in the blue shirt, and he looks behind him, and it's just a wall. Like, what are you looking at? <laughs> he's like, no, we're you right there. And so he stands up, and he he's like, he just starts laying it on him, like God's showing me this, like. You're a very godly man. Your your father was a pastor. Your grandfather was a pastor. And he just starts saying these things to him that there's maybe three people in the whole world that even knows. 
And it's not even like generalizations like, oh, you come from a godly family, you know, you had a, a, a great father figure. No, like your father was a pastor. And anyway, he, he's just going into it, going into it. And he's like, is that your wife? And he said, yeah, no, come up here. So they go up there and he's, he's just landing on him on this stuff. And then all of a sudden he, uh, he turns. And before I get into that, that this, was, this happened on Sunday morning. Um, my wife said on Sunday evening, it's going to take a random stranger to say to stay with him. You mean My, Saturday evening? No, Sunday evening. This had already happened. Okay, she just gotcha. didn't know about it. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay, she and, wasn't with him. Right. Okay. And so um, Monday morning, she texts me, and she's like, hey, my parents want you to come over. They want to talk to us. Can you come over? And I was like, oh, great. Like, here we go. They're going to just ring me, rip into me. This is the same week. It hadn't even been seven days. Um, and so I was like, whatever I need to do, I'm, I, I'm all in. So we get there and we go, they're like, let's go sit outside. I'm just so nervous. And they start telling us this story. So, um, so anyway, he's back to the pastor, t- uh, giving him the word. He's telling him all these things. And then he looks at the mom and he says, and you have a son. And she said, yeah, cause my wife's got a brother and he's kind of a little scrawny guy, but she's, uh, there's a point to that. You could definitely kill. You could, de- you could definitely kill him with your bare hands. He's on the list. He's he's definitely on the list. But uh, so he he's like, you have a son, and he's like, she's like, yeah, and she's like, he's big, and she's like, no, he's he's kind of little, and she she's, he's like, I don't mean big like big, I mean big like big, and at the time, uh, which is this was another terrible. Uh, decision. I was, I was doing CrossFit all the time. I was lifting real heavy. I was on testosterone, which is terrible if you have a porn addiction, by the way, because you just, you wake up like poking holes in the mattress. Like (laughs) you you got like no, no control. It's like you're 13 again. And you're like, cut that from the podcast. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, yeah. Testosterone is not a good friend for pornography. And so, so back to it, she said, uh, he's like, yeah, I mean big like this. And I was like 20 pounds heavier at the time. Um, and she's like, well, I have a son-in-law. And he's like, yeah, your son-in-law, what's his, what's his name? And she said his name's Trevor. And um, he's like, he looks at her and said, Trevor's done some bad things. And they, they don't know us. They didn't know anything about any of our family. He's done some really bad things, like, terrible things and um he's like but but god has big plans for him god has god is working in him and he's got big plans for him and he's got big plans for his marriage and he said uh he said his marriage is going to be better than him and his wife's marriage is going to be better than they ever thought possible he said, I see them, I, he said, I can see them at their 50-year reunion. And uh, at this point, um, her mom is telling us this in the backyard. And uh, I just lose it. And uh, my wife, like I said, her physical touch was like negative, And she hated my guts. And I'm just bent over crying. And she's sitting next to me. And uh, when she starts, when they start saying that, like, I feel her reach over and put her arm on my shoulder, which is like the last thing I would ever imagine. And like, I, I just was sobbing. Everyone was crying. And uh, it just goes back to the fact that 
or the the comment that my wife made Sunday evening, a random person had already told her parents that we were going to have a better marriage than either one of us ever could have imagined, and there couldn't have been there couldn't have been a better person in the in the world to tell that to than her parents because she respects what they say and they have such an influence on her. Um, but that was like such a huge turning point in it every aspect, like my relationship with her parents, um, my relationship with her, like that was the point to where I was like, my wife's like, okay, we're going to fight. We're going to do this. And, um, so that was the point where we started kind of turning around and coming back. But, uh, praise God, that was, uh, such a powerful moment. What what I love about that. And I know there's, there's a lot of crying in the room right now because we can sense what we can sense is how much God loves you. Yeah. Yep. And you're not special. I don't mean this in a bad way. Yeah. You're special to the Lord, but you're like, like I, I get you. <laughs> that's how God feels about each of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what you know what I mean? Like that's how God sees you. Like that's yeah. how God sees your marriage. Yeah. Like the same word that was spoken over him. I see Trevor doing amazing things. Like what the Lord is saying is like, hey, if he'll if he'll do it, if he'll walk it through. I've got more for the rest of his story. Yep. And that's, it's not because Trevor's special. It's not because Trevor knows jujitsu and can kill people. That's not what it is. It's because Trevor's a son of God. Yeah, amen. And so the lesson there is, is that's the word that God's speaking over you today too. Is that like, hey, I've got amazing things in store for you. I've got amazing, incredible things. Um, and so w- walk me through what was your process? Because it wasn't like, okay, I've confessed it. Now yeah. I'm living in freedom. Yeah. So what was your steps? Man, the confession was huge. It was, I mean, just like the Bible says, you repent to God, confess to man for healing. The healing is, uh, there's no other way to say it than it was a miracle. Um, the, the, the urge, the, the addiction, I feel like was almost immediately gone. And I, I've had lots of times, like, especially in the beginning, I was like, this is, you know, it's a phase. I'm, it's it's going to come back. But, I, you know, I hope it doesn't. And I, I uh, immediately agreed to go see a Christian counselor, you know, and this counselor, he was a hard-nosed guy. He was, ex, uh, he was an ex-high school coach of a sport. I'm not going to say because someone might know him. But uh, he's like, this is a three-year deal. Like, you better commit. Like, I'm not going to take you on unless you commit. This is a three-year process. Addiction of pornography, sex addiction, any of that is, this is a long road. You, like, you have to be ready to fight. I'm like, I'm, I will do anything and everything. So, um, man, just diving into the word immediately, like having that veil lifted, having that, my eyes open, like, to the love of God, I, I, it's like nothing I've ever felt before. Um, so just immediately diving into that, um, doing whatever I could possibly to try to be at home when I could be home. I mean, my wife was willing to work through it, but that didn't mean that she didn't still hate me. Um, or trust you. Or trust Yeah, Which trust She, she didn't time. need to. Like, no, she had no she, reason no, to. No, no. And as, I did not expect that at all. But um, Which, if I, can, if I can interrupt for just a second, I think that sometimes we think, okay, if I, we hear, okay, I need to talk to my wife about this, whatever the issue is, you know, maybe it's not pornography for you, maybe it's something else, and we hear, okay, you should talk to your wife about it, and it's going to be better, because we, we hear this, you know, long life story, and we hear it in an hour-long medium, and we go, okay, cool, so if I confess this, then everything's going to get better. 
your your wife doesn't have to <laughs> doesn't have to follow that timeline. You know, like you've just confessed something to her. It's your job now to serve and and, and bring her back to a place of health. Um, and you know, if you've committed adultery, she's got grounds. So like what, what your confession is, is your confession is for righteousness and holy living. Your, your confession is not to manipulate your wife into staying with you and to loving you and to people seeing you better and, and, to, and to redeem your, your past. And all that. That's not what confession is for. Confession is for, God, I'm a vessel for you and you alone. I want to I I live righteously and live in a holy way that's pleasing and honoring to the Lord, which is what you see in him. It's like he goes, he goes, okay, I've been caught, and he could have just let it go there. But instead, he goes, no, I need to get all of this out. And when we met, one of the things he said is he said, I went to her and I told her everything. I let her know, and he knew she doesn't have to take me back. But there was the confession of going, I'm going to be a different man now. Um, yeah, so regardless, my thought was I'm going to be a different man regardless of what she does. Like, I love her more than I love myself. But if she does not take me back, like, I... I'm 100% done. Like, I, I, I'm never going back to that. And I think that that mindset and that mentality over just even a short amount of time, she was able to see that it wasn't just, like you said, this is not a manipulative thing. I'm not just doing this to get you back, to make you come in. Like, I'm not putting on an act. Like, this is, I'm different, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so... Um, you're talking about the, the counselor said three years. That's right. Yeah. So three year process. And so what we were, what I was doing, um, devotions all the time. I was meeting with really good buddies and friends talking. Um, we started coming to new song. Um, I guess it'd be a, a couple months, a, lo- a little bit later, but I started even going to like celebrate recovery, which is like an, uh, Christian based addicts thing. My counselor just said, Hey, you should go to that. Um, so I was doing everything and anything. I mean, three, four times a week I was doing something with someone else to try to do this. Set up filters on my phones, um, on my computers, everything that I possibly could, um, and really just seeking God like I never have before. Um, I just had this hunger that I couldn't quench uh, or couldn't satisfy. And so the, that was kind of the process. Uh, then, you know, can we get into the new So he said three years... And then, but God yes, helped you instantly. Yeah, so through that process of the three years, he's like, we're going to go through this book. We're going to do all these things. At the same time, so this is something else I kind of left out. Those, that, those pastors that were at that other church, um, they, they volunteered to counsel my wife and I. Um, they said, we really don't like to do it. We've done it for 30-plus years. They're 70-something. But we said, family, friends, will gladly do it. Um, and this is fun, something fun that we always look back at is... Uh, so the husband had gone through similar situations like 40 years ago. So he'd seen it all, heard it all, and he's like, okay, we're going to meet with you guys together, and then we'll, set, we'll split, and I'm going to meet with Emily, you meet with my wife. And so he, he, he's first time he's met her, and um, he's like, okay, so have you forgiven Trevor? And she's like, no, like offended that he would even ask. He's like, well, do you want to forgive him? And she's like, no. Do you want to want to forgive him? No. He's like, do you want me to murder him? And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay. And they told, her this, told us this story maybe six months later, but on the way home, his wife was like, what do you think? What's their chances? Are they going to make it? And he's like, no, there's no way. He's like, I can see Trevor's heart changed, but the damage that was done to Emily and the attitude that she has now, like, they have no chance. Um, and so... Through that process, we continued to meet with them. They were, we, we relied on them heavily. They were great, great 
uh, mentors. And I was seeing this counselor. He showed me all these things, going through all these. He's like, do celebrate recovery, go to all these things. And celebrate recovery is great. That's a really great place. Everything they do is awesome. There was one thing that stood out to me. The Holy Spirit kind of showed me. Um, and, and through the years, it's, it's just been reinforced. But they say, I am an addict. I'm an addict of this, or I am, instead of I was and I'm not anymore. Um, and that's not what the Bible says. I mean, you're once you're healed, once, once God takes that from you, you are, I am no longer an addict. I mean, that is farthest from, from what could be. Um, so we, we went through that. We were going through a book, and we were doing some other things, and I just kind of, we had a meeting. I, I think he could probably feel it or tell it. He's like, well, is this stuff working for you? What's going on? You know, and I was like, man, I feel like this is homework. I was like, I don't mean any disrespect, but I don't feel like I'm getting much out of this. And he's like, well, you know, he got, he did get offended. He's like, well, what are you, what are you doing? What, what works? And I was like, man, I mean, worship, church, devotions, uh, you know, really praying all the time, really seeking God, um, you know, just being with him any, any chance I get. And in his offense, he's like, oh, well, you just want to do the spiritual route then. And I like throw my hands up and I'm like, are you not a Christian counselor? I thought that was the only, is that the only route there was, you know? And uh, so we ended up um, kind of split, splitting ways after that meeting. And he, he said something that stuck with me. Uh, Pastor Josh really gave me some wisdom on. He's like, you know, and at the same time, he had a son that was the same day of me. So he had a son okay. same age as me. And uh, he was going, he had been three years clean um, of pornography and all this other stuff. And and he could really see my progress. So he was wanting me, to, he wanted us to kind of hang out and get together. And in this short amount of time, his, his son failed too. So I felt like I was getting the brunt of why his son was failing. And he said to me, he said, look, Trevor, you can do what you want. He's like, I'm always going to be here. <clears throat> but there is a bear at the end of this path that you're headed down. And when you hit it, uh, I'll be here. And, you know, in my in my mind, I was like, yeah, you're full of it. Like, you know, I, I can do this, whatever. It, but Satan used that for years, two, probably two years, you know. It was always in the back of my mind. Like, it was this little little voice that would pop up that's like, hey, you're, you may be doing good now, but it's just a matter of time. Like, that bear's at the end of the path, and it's, it's going to be there to, you know, like roaring lion, kill, steal, and destroy. So um, meeting with Pastor Josh and... and and I, I, I told him that, and he said something to me that was uh, very impactful, that not in that situation, but lots of other ones. He's like, you, you said yourself, you know, that's a lie from Satan. He's like, you need to ask God, if this is the lie, God, what's the truth? And uh, so I did that, you know, and God's like, look, you're, you're washed white. Those sins are gone. Like, you, you're, you were healed. That three-year time period that he gave me for your brain to be healed or that six-month time period, I think he said six months of not looking at porn, your brain will grow. It, it will destroy those pockets and grow back. But mine was, mine was done, like, immediately. It was not, it was not a three-month. It wasn't a three-year process. It wasn't a six-month process. It was immediately. So... So um, let's get kind of practical for here as as we kind of uh, as we as we shift here. What would you give? Um, like, what was the the important steps that you took? And you know, we've got people in all, all different walks of life. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe they're at right where exactly you are, or maybe they're not. Maybe it's, they've been kind of flirting with this. Um, what 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 are what are like three steps that we can take, um, and then kind of go into what we're gonna kind of launch into this next year. So uh, the most impact, impactful ones, obviously, was the confessing to other to your your trusted people. That was ex- extremely impactful. Um, setting up safeguards that don't even allow you to. I mean, I, I've got. I think Kobe's one of my two guys on Covenant Eyes. So if I mess up, I'm, I know. If I even think about messing up, I know he's going to see it and he's going to call me. Well, hey, what was this? Even if it's you know questionable stuff, he's like, hey, what's that? And um, so that one was very, very impactful. Getting planted in the church was huge because my entire life changed when that happens. All my friends, all my working out, like my job changed. God gave me a new business. Like literally almost every aspect of my life except my family changed. And so removing myself from that situation, setting safeguards, and getting planted in the church at New Song was like such a huge, huge deal. Um, But I would say even maybe more than all of that was in my wife's pain and hurt through her seeking God for, uh, for just peace and to take that pain to, to see how she changed, to see how her time with God, like her entire attitude shift, her, cha- her, her mind ch- changed, like to see how close she became to God and how um, merciful she was to me and, and graceful and, and taking me back. I mean, I was expecting like, you know, I had the sexual sh- sin my whole life. Uh, you know, my wife and I, she's decided to come back, you know, and, and let me come back to the house. It's going to be years before we ever get back together, you know, like intimately. And God transformed her so much. Like it was so powerful. I, I almost more than I feel like what mine was. And so, her her ch- her choice to forgive me was a huge part of the healing as well, um, but really, yeah, resources, reaching out to friends, reaching out to people, um, kind of like what we'll have going on here soon with Josh. Uh, the church is going to have some resources for any of you guys that are struggling with any of this. If you know anyone struggling with any of this, like having someone to lean on, someone to talk to, brothers that are there to fight with you, keep you accountable. Um, we're going to have all that stuff coming soon, so talk to uh, Romano about that. Um, so, Okay, so um, Thomas, you can come up here. Uh, I, I want to kind of wrap this up just a little bit. Um, you know, New Song men, sons, brothers, fathers, like that's what we're about, generational things. So how does this apply to each of those areas? You hear a story like Trevor. If you're a son, you know, you're not married yet, um, allow this to be a warning. Like, deal with this now. Like, don't wait till you have a marriage to lose. Like, this is a, this is a season for you to prepare yourself to present yourself to your wife as a strong, God-loving, God-following, full-of-the-word man. Things don't magically get easier whenever you can have sex. Like, that's not how it works. It's not like, oh, I got married, now I've had sex, now I don't want to have sex with anyone else or even think about sex all the time. That's not how it works. It actually gets harder, I think, because what, what, what the enemy will come, now you've got something to lose, and so the enemy's going to come and attack you. You've now got something to come and take. And so if you're a son, like, let this be a, a warning tale to you, okay? If you're a brother... If you're in this season of life or you're married, you got kids, and maybe you're walking through some of this right now, 
Um, this is a this is a a a commission to you to put up safeguards in your life. Uh, maybe you're not dealing with anything. Doesn't matter. You should have some safeguards in your life. You know, like your wife should have access to your Instagram account. You may honestly don't even need an Instagram account. I've been thinking about that a lot. When the Instagram servers went down a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Like, I don't have to get on this thing anymore. Um, not for any, like, pornography reasons, just for the fact that, like, I hate that thing. Um, but but do, you, do you have secret areas? Like, is there an area of your life that's dark that doesn't, people don't have access to? Like, ask them some of those questions. Maybe you are walking through some of this. You need to walk some of these steps that Trevor just gave out. And then if you're a father and maybe you've walked through some of these things, like, did you hear how impactful, like, you felt the faith in the room when we heard the testimony of the goodness of God on Trevor? Like, we've seen God's faithfulness in Trevor and Emily's life as he's, as he's, um, he's walked through this process. He's not fresh off of it. This is actually, you were telling me last night, it was, this all went down, and then a few months later, you went to tribe retreat two years ago. So this is a full circle moment for you. Full circle moment for you. So, so maybe you're not all the way around, but if you're a father, you've probably walked through some of these circles. This might be time for you to come alongside somebody else and walk their circle with them. That's the thing about a circle. You know, you come back to the beginning and it's not, and you're different when you come back around. Now you're walking with somebody else around that circle. So then you've trained them so that they can walk around somebody. You see what, I, see what I'm doing here? Okay. Let me pray for you. Jesus,